You are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell. Really excited about the guest for today's episode, Dr. Chad Johnson. Dr. Chad is the owner of Veranda Dentistry, which has three locations in central Iowa. And he is also a podcaster, and his podcast titled Everyday Practices features other dentists and dental influencers from across the United States. Dr. Chad, welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. Great to have you here. Hey, thanks, Sean. It's great to be on. Good morning, Iowa. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Really intrigued by uh, several things in your your biography and your journey. And let's just start with some context for the audience. Uh, Could you share a little background about your practice, Veranda Dentistry, and and kind of how you arrived at this current point of your career? Yep. So I'm from Pleasant Hill, Iowa, on the east side of Des Moines, and um, went to Southeast Polk High School, and then went to the University of Iowa, graduated from dental school there in 05. And came back and opened up right out of school when the glory days when you could get a loan on a handshake. And uh, so I went and uh, my sophomore year of dental school got a a loan approved and I didn't even have my dental degree. And then I uh, uh, in 2005 opened up in Pleasant Hill about a mile up the road from where I grew up and just kind of started seeing, you know, as few or as much patients as were, you know, show up and get scheduled. And I've uh, kind of just had a long uh, journey along the way, and now we're 15 years in, and um, I'm now trying to bring associate dentists on to what I call shorten the curve and make it a little bit easier on them because I guess I've learned along the way what's awesome and what's uh, not as awesome or as efficient of a way to get it done. That could be some good lessons for some of the listeners. So. Yeah. Uh, back up, you said you got a loan on a handshake. Tell me a little bit about that. All right. So yeah, my sophomore year, uh, I walk in and I go to the sba.gov website, you know, that spells out how to write a business plan. And I cut and paste, you know, the idea to, you know, how to draft up a business plan and then fill in my blanks and change stuff. And I start organizing and interviewing other dentists and figuring out, okay, how much is this going to cost? And, you know, what are the metrics that you use to know that you're successful? I mean, this is in 2005. There's no such thing at that point as a podcast or otherwise I could have probably had one or two, you know, from the dentist that I interviewed, but it was just all for me. You're figuring and, it out on your own, right? Yeah, just start. figure it out on your own. What's cool is then, so I go into the bank and uh, I meet the guy uh, across the street from where I want to open up and I say, hey, I'd like to borrow $426,000. That should suffice for me to get my, <laughs> I know, for me to get myself started. And um, here's what I plan on doing with it. And here's how long I plan for it to take before I break even. And uh, so what do you think? And he says, I like you. Tell you what, I'm going to give you that four Let's also spot you 200,000 line of credit just to make sure that it's successful and uh, let's see it turn around and uh, can't wait to work with you. Go get, go get it going. So my junior year comes around and uh, we actually have an assignment. I think it's my junior year. So and, you had the money at that point. Like, well, I couldn't just spend it. Right. But thankfully they, they gave you the money to open the business. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, they basically just said, you know, when you're ready to start construction, you know, like let's uh, you know, just let us know. And, it wasn't uh, until my senior year that we started the construction and started kind of spending. 
Okay. Um, near my, the end of my senior year, but I kind of had things firmed up because I, I wanted to have things firmed up for me to figure out, you know, do I need to work for some other dentist or is this even a viable option? And my junior year, uh, they, we had an assignment in dental school about, you know, finding and researching a, a practice, uh, location and how to open and, you know, finding a space and how much space it would take and, you know, how many operatories you would open and, and all that jazz like that is almost, uh, almost like a junior high assignment of, you know, that you'd expect, but like what was really cool. I already had it done. So I just, you know, I, I turned it in and tell and, me you uh, got like a D on it or something. You know, I didn't even care what they created it as. Cause I was just like, I've got money, you know? So I, I very well could have. <laughs> I've heard so many stories about how entrepreneurs, uh, submitted some business plan that ultimately in the marketplace was phenomenal, but like in an official academic setting didn't pass the snuff test. So that's why I was just throwing that in there, but sorry to interrupt, please continue. No, that was kind of the totality of my story. I mean, I just, uh, so senior year, I, uh, started, you know, spending the money and it probably, you know, I, I always like joking around just to, for reference for, you know, to have street cred with the other entrepreneurs listening. But, uh, my first year I made $25,000. And, uh, and, you know, people, when you graduate, they think, you know, dentists are like super rich and stuff. And it's just like, well, come on, you know, like we might be, you know, productive and making the business money, but I'm not making money myself. I, I, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I, I was, you know, positive, I guess, at the end of the first year, but I was living, you know, with my parents still and, uh, just, you know, graduated school at 25 and, uh, opened up shop and, uh, and it took me about 18 months to really uh, start to get break even profitable. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it took me um, it took me about eight years or so, uh, seven, seven or eight years before I started um, being um, on my game, productive, uh, mm-hmm. a, a really good business leader. And I. I don't even know, like, I, I guess it's always a relative scale. I'm not necessarily the best right now, but I'm, I've definitely grown a ton. If there's a logarithmic curve, I mean, who's to know where the top is, but I've, I've grown leaps and bounds from where I was. So interesting. So yeah, I'm chuckling thinking about how easy it was to get lending for anything in 2005, which was the same year I, I bought Absolutely. my first house on not very much income and zero down. So I'm sure uh, maybe in the business side, it was similar before everything came crashing down. It was. In fact, I I heard later that, that like I I heard legend that the guy kind of got in trouble for just doing handshake business. (laughs) But I, I guess I was the lucky guy that won. So, you know, and the bank won too. I keep on just thinking, you know, like you're welcome. I paid my bills, you know, so. Exactly. As long as you, pay the note on time. I don't think it really matters at the end of the day to the lender. Right. And I was excited that uh, last November, uh, November of 2019, before the world crashed, uh, you know, like from COVID stuff. But uh, so um, I I got my debts paid off. So I was pretty, yeah, pretty jazzed about that. I was trying to get it done before my 40th birthday. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm really intrigued by the part of your story where you said you grew up I don't know, what was it, a mile or so from where your practice is? What was that shift like for, because I'm sure you have patients now that were maybe the moms and dads of your friends or things like that that you knew in your community. Was it difficult initially for them to see you as a credible dentist after, you know, 
being yeah. the kid that was running around the neighborhood or selling a Boy Scout yeah. popcorn or whatever it was a couple of years prior. Right. Yes and no. I think, um, like, I feel like I had a good name uh, in the community. So, like, that helped because it's not like I was some delinquent that was, you know, like <laughs> breaking their daughter's pumpkins every year. And then, uh, and you know, and then I'm supposed to be like this outstanding guy. So, that that wasn't too big of a problem. But I think that the people that were like nervous about coming to me or are, I mean, cause I'm, you know, like I'm still the little kid, I'm sure to some of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that they just don't come to me. And, and I always, I was always comfortable just telling people if you have, you know, an issue coming to see me, like it's, it's cool. I mean, I get it that sometimes it's just, um, kind of weird, you know, like, uh, going to see a doctor for, I mean, you know, if I came back and was the, the, you know, like the <laughs> gynecologist, you know, for town, I wouldn't expect everyone just to come see me just because they know me. It's just like, I'm sure that's kind of weird. So listen, you make your personal choice. And, you know, totally, totally cool with me. That was part of the deal with, uh, you know, a prophet in his hometown is uh, has no honor. It's just like, uh, it, it would have been totally easier to go to Kansas City and just kind of be a no name kind of guy. But I actually feel like too business picked up a little bit quicker for me because uh, I was not Joe Schmo. So mm. some people came to me more and gravitated to me more. And then I'm sure there were o- other people that you know were like, "Oh, I, I can't go to Chad." And it's just like totally cool. So, I mean, I sure. won't take it personally. Yeah. So that happened. Yes and no. Yeah. You mentioned that some of the the things that you've been working on and trying to improve your business, and it's kind of a what was the you said it was a an exponential curve or what was the terminology used there? Yeah. Like a logarithmic curve of growth, you know, that exponentially, you know, d- just that when you look back and you just go, man, if, if I could know on day one, what I know now, but mm. some of those lessons are hard knocks. It's just like, listen, you just got to figure them out on your own and they're experiential. Um, so not exponential, but experiential in that mm-hmm. you have to experience it. And some of them are subjective too. I think, you know, when you and I, if we were to go through a life problem that I might come to a different conclusions than what you did, you know, I might uh, have a different risk tolerance and I might say, man, I would have done that a whole lot sooner. And you might go through it and go, one thing I learned from that was to never do that again. And it's just like, well, how did that happen? It's just like, well, some of that has to do with personal risk tolerance, right? It's subjective. And I think you used the term uh, shortening the curve, was it? Shortening or, the curve. I'm, I'm big into that. So maybe p- imparting some of the lessons in, the, in the, the dentistry or the life hacks that you've experienced through the school of hard knocks to yes. uh, some of the people that are coming out as, and starting practice yep. today that are D4s yep. in 2020. Yep. That so was, I go over to the College of Dentistry uh, each winter and I kind of do a lunch and learn for the ASDA group, uh, the American Student Dental Association. Yeah. Um, And uh, I talk to them about business practices because, you know, so much of dental school is focused on uh, science and and clinical stuff, but they don't get a ton of time learning business practices. How, what do you try to impart on them? I guess in a nutshell, I know that could probably be its own podcast, but uh, what are some of the big lessons that you try to get across to them because I know in working with other dentists on the more on the business side of things, that's a common refrain that I hear is we didn't learn much about this in dental school. Well, number one, I think, excuse me. I think that, uh, that 
we as dental students wouldn't necessarily have been ready to hear what we needed to because uh, so I give the fact like uh, the the school a little grace and that you know sometimes people are like man I wish they would have taught us that it's like okay if they would have taught that would you have skipped it so that way you could have studied for your biochem test Mm. and you know would you have been ready to understand accounting um in dental school or would would you have said why do I even need to know this you know so um I mean, if, if I'm talking to a pre-dental student, I tell them take mac- micro and macro economics. Um, and if I'm talking to a, a fourth year dental student, some of the big principles that I tell them is perseverance wins. And that's just a life lesson. I mean, you know, it's just like it, you, if you want something, then persevere and do it. If you want to start your own practice or if you want to go into specialty, if you want to whatever, you know, perseverance wins. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, perspective matters. And so, you know, having the right perspective and training your brain uh, to be diligent, to be disciplined, uh, stuff like that. It's <laughs> kind of lessons that humans don't want to hear. But uh, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, like I talk to them about, um, you know, the realities of higher ability and. I'm just like, okay, so now that I'm 15 years out and you guys would want to come to me and get hired, uh, why would I want to hire you? And it's not because of your grades. I don't care. Um, I tell them, I kind of joke around. I'm just like, you know, I don't think that my grades were the best in dental school. I really, I don't know if they were or weren't because like I was so used to being a perfectionist uh, up until, you know, like uh, college and dental school and stuff like that, that when I started realizing that I was around a ton of smart people, it, it almost made me scared to know what my uh, ranking was with, you know, compared to other people. Cause I knew it wasn't first or mm-hmm. whatever. So I just, I was just like, listen, I'm just here to learn because I want to learn it and know how to do it best. But uh, for example, like biochemistry, that was a tough class for me, for an example, you know, where it's just like some of the, the, um, didactic science classes kind of trashed me. And then the clinical stuff, I, I outshined some people. Um, and I think it's because of my interpersonal skills. And so when I asked the students, you know, why should I hire you? I don't want you to come and tell me you're first in the class or second in the class. And I mean, cause that's awesome. But like, how are you at looking people in the eye and hand giving them a handshake and, you know, telling them about, uh, you know, their problems and listening to them and, uh, and stuff like that. So that's some of the stuff that we talk about. And again, I, I have fun poking fun at myself where I'm just like, listen, you guys are all way smarter than I am, but here I am really, you know, like so far as I'm concerned, I'm killing it enough that they wanted me to come talk to you about (laughs) how to run a business. So, uh, you know, so just know this much, uh, some of you guys might feel inferior to other people in your class, that doesn't mean that you're losers or that you're going to do worse than the guys that are at the top in the class. Some of them aren't going to necessarily be successful dentists. How do you balance helping them shorten the curve versus, and maybe this is my perspective as someone who's 42 Yep. in hindsight, knowing that having to go through the ups and the downs of learning that on my own was a lesson that was invaluable in itself. And maybe as a, an example you hear this was never a problem in my family, but you hear sometimes about really wealthy families that almost do their children a disservice by help yes. by giving them too much inheritance. Yep. And the one thing that made their parents successful was that they had to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Like so second generation wealth wealth 
it gets squandered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, so you see where I'm going? Kind of with do. comparison. Yeah, I do. So why not let them learn the golden nugget? So like w- what, what I do in my mentorship with my associate dentists is I just go, all right, so I'm not telling you what to do, but since you're coming to ask, like the hard way that I've, I did it for years was that I would do X and Y. And then finally I, I discovered why not put the forcep on the, the buckle side of the tooth and push and turn. And I said, and then you'll find all of a sudden that tooth elevates a whole lot easier. Uh, and it's only for second molars, but try that on second molars, put it into the buckle plate. And it's amazing how to, how quick that tooth comes out. And I almost found it on a discovery, maybe three or five years out of school. So you can do it the hard way and keep on doing it, you know, the way that you're doing it. But if you're asking me, give it a try. And so it's kind of like, um, uh, soft advice, that I, I, but I, I tell my team too, and the doctors that work with me, I say, uh, I value like personally, I value autonomy a whole lot. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. If you want to do it the hard way, <laughs> then go ahead and do it the hard way. Cause the fact is you still get paid and you're still doing the patient a service and whatever. But if you kind of wanted one or two, you know, like ideas, number one, you know, just do this and that and don't do that and that this and uh, and you'll actually get done twice as fast. And it, it actually was easier than if you would have done it the hard way twice as long. Stuff like that. You mentioned that it was and I'm going off memory. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but five or seven years, you know, from going from a cold start to making twenty five thousand dollars your first year before you really started to maybe get momentum. If yes. I understood you correctly. How do you think about growth in your practice and kind of those first few years to now where you're at and where you yep. want to go the next 15 the or 20 years? Perhaps? Exactly. Sorry to interrupt too. But um, so the mindset difference was in coaching, in coachability. And um, I was a sole proprietor, entrepreneur, wanting to do it my way or the highway. And um, in 2011, I had lightning hit the building. Uh, that you pass by. And, uh, and so it, it hit our server and the server has all of our patient data on it. Mm -hmm. And it fried that computer, it fried the backup and the other backup. And at the time there wasn't cloud. Well, if there was cloud backup, I, you know, it was newer and I didn't really know about it. Or I didn't think that it was important until that day. But, uh, so I had backups on site, but they got fried with the electric hit too from the, you know, the storm. Mm-hmm. And it, my office manager remembers what day it is. It was like May something of, uh, you know, so like a, a, a good late spring, you know, thunder shower. And uh, so it fried all the data. And that was my crisis turning point that... um the business really suffered from having that data loss uh, because like my schedule. So uh, we come into the office and find that the server isn't working and a patient shows up. Well, which patient is it? And if you said, I'm Sean, it's just like, uh, well, I mean, what are we doing today? I don't know if you're here for a cleaning or to get a filling. And you could say, well, I'm here to get a filling on the lower right. And I'd be like, yeah, but I don't have the x-ray. Like none of that data. Yeah. And so... So then the the question then becomes, well, why don't I call um, Sean's brother at nine o'clock and tell him not to come? Well, I'll tell you why, because we don't have a schedule to know who's at nine o'clock. 
So you, then you have to wait for the nine o'clock person to show up and tell them you can't do anything. And then the 10 o'clock person shows up. And so for the next few weeks, we had to wait three weeks. We sent the servers in. We had them do some kind of like um, slow backup to recover the data. Okay. And, so you and get were, some of it back eventually. Yes, but it was but it was up to 10 weeks old. So now the problem becomes if you made the, the, an appointment eight weeks ago, you're still coming in, but we don't have that on the schedule. We have a schedule that was correct 10 weeks ago. So now how do I schedule you for 8 a.m. when someone could show up at 8 a.m.? next week at the same time. And I didn't know that they were even scheduled for that time. It was a nightmare. And um, I still at that point, didn't trust coaching and consulting. Like I just thought, here's, here's coaching in a nutshell. This is what I thought. I pay you a ton of money. You tell me what to do. You leave with the money, whether I get results or not. And then I'm hosed because now I'm out of money and I still don't have the results that I want. This sucks. So, so I really like, as a return or excuse me, as a cost instead of a, that you might actually get a return on yes. an investment. Yep. Gotcha. And when my associate uh, at the time, she was leaving the practice because I was doing a horrible, well, indirectly, I was doing a horrible job at leading. And uh, that's when I realized I needed help. I think it was when she said, Chad, maybe you should get some help. <laughs> and, and so I was like, so I started researching online. All right, maybe I, maybe I could at least think about it. And I was looking at like 20 different consultant firms. And I finally found one that I was like, I think I could trust them. So I gave them a call and that was around 2013. And, um, and I made the call and started doing workshops and coaching and, took my team to this and we started building a foundation of how do I express my needs as a business owner and you know, like what my vision is for the business, what is in essence, my mission statement, whether it's technically written out or not, but you know, like what is the mission statement that we're living and you know, like what are my values and how do I communicate that with the team? How do they know when I'm happy with them or sad that they're not doing what they should in my mind, as opposed to making them read my mind. Uh, how do I let them know that they're doing good to the the overall goal? You know, like what are they? What what even is the goal? And so that totally shifted and changed my outlook, my output, um, and it it really made a difference having coaching. And I thought I was gonna sign up for coaching like six months or maybe 12 months. And I've not stopped. It's been six a, years now. Just, yeah. Just like a one-time thing to get you back on track. Yep. And then you realize that the journey of mastery is a, yes. a lifetime thing. Yep. And can you share the coaching program you worked with or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this one was, uh, was called, <clears throat> is called productive dentist Academy and they're based out of Texas, and they also have a marketing firm out of Anacortes, which is north of Seattle, about an hour. And uh, so Victoria uh, McManus Peterson um, was a, is a hygienist that uh, paired up with a dentist out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Bruce Baird, and they made a company called Productive Dentist Academy. And uh, he's just really amazing at um, uh, 
uh, well, I mean, in short, practice management stuff. He's really mm-hmm. amazing at how he talks with people and how he values people. And then that plays into a better treatment care. And then that plays into a better profit margin too. If you're taking care of people and taking care of problems, then you're going to be profitable. If you're not helping anyone solve any problems as an entrepreneur, you know, capitalist, whatever word you want to use for it. Uh, if you're not helping people solve problems, I don't know why you're getting paid. Interesting that that was such a turning point, a crisis. Yeah. And the lessons gleaned or learned from that, did were they transferable in some ways with COVID-19 and what happened to dentists basically across the country in the second quarter of 2020? Yes. We, we looked at this as a second round of lightning strike. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, like what, basically we had gone through this before and I was resilient that I was going to get through it again. I t- it was a tough year. We were closed nine weeks this year and that was rough. That was a half a million dollars of production for us. Uh, so, I mean, it's not just like, oh yeah, you're closed for a few weeks. Just take vacation. It's like, bet me, I was working every day, but as the owner, I'm working for free you know, and, uh, yeah, this year was tough. And I mean, just to emotionally connect with some people as to, you know, not make it sound like I'm a robot that I'm always about winning and stuff. I hadn't, I don't think, I don't think that I had ever been lying in bed and just been like thinking and thinking and thinking. I mean, I've always done that, you know, where you can't, you, you can't get to sleep because you're thinking, but that there was like this weight like, and I remember explaining to someone, I was just like, I actually feel like, like there's this weight keeping me from taking a deep breath. And that person that I was talking to about it, um, she was like, yeah, that's called anxiety. (laughs) You know, like you were having in essence, a panic attack. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe that's what it is. I, it never occurred to me before, but, you know, just thinking about, okay, I've got 20 staff. How do I pay for them next week? You know, there's this talk about PPP or idle or this state grant that's coming out, but it's just like, but talk about it doesn't really help. Like I've got payroll next week. Right. And, you know, um, you've got accounts receivable backed up, you know, but people aren't really quick to pay the dentist uh, <laughs> at times. I mean, seriously, I've got you know, sometimes a quarter million in accounts receivable hanging out. And it's just because people like, you know, don't want to pay the rich dentist. He's the last guy that, you know, they want to pay. So that's something that plays into the reality of dentist uh, dentistry. How did you work your way through that from being paralyzed with fear, at least initially? to? Uh, so the next day I got up, I put a dress shirt on, I went to work and I was like, okay, so I don't have patience, but I'm still the business owner. And I remember posting a a picture on our private employee page that said, it's time to get to work. You know, like we need to call patients, cancel off the schedule and get together and talk about when we do open, what are we going to do? And we need to talk about how do we make this place safe? And, you know, so in, in short, I dumped a ton of money and a ton of time into the business. uh, And, you know, like, I don't know, just for a reality, it's just like, I bet this year I'm going to make a third of what I did last year. And that's okay. I mean, that's what business owners do. They get the gravy when it's good and <laughs> you get the 
the hot poker when it's <laughs> when it's not good. And uh, but I mean, you know, you're captain of the ship, and you gotta you gotta steer it. Either that or cower down in the in the you know locker room and and just you know pretend like. But it's just like, listen, I've got to lead. I've got to have open. Uh, deep communication with the team. So we went to work, uh, I think the next day and we put up um, in our uh, uh, break area, we were talking and I put up little um, notepad, note, stick it note things that you can marker onto. And I said, what are our concerns? What are we afraid of? What, what's our problem list? What are we trying to solve? Name and then the fear. I, yes. Well, cause I was just like, I know what my fears were. How am I going to pay everyone? How long are we closed? What are patients going to do when we come back? But I was talking about like one of the things I led off with was uh, like, I'm asking you guys as a team, like, don't you want to know, like, how am I going to get paid? Don't you want to worry about, you know, like, uh, do I have a job? You know, like, am I going to need to file for unemployment? Like, how's this all going to work? Which you know your employees are already thinking all those things. Right, but I, I wanted to validate that it's just like, I want to hear your concerns because these problems, if we can name it, then we can figure out a solution. And whether it's the best solution or whatever, it's better than just waiting for something to happen. Right. So I'm just, I, I'm not a fan of being a victim. So it's just like, just, you know, let's, let's figure out what's our, what's our solution. Uh, so let's make a problem list and then let's make a solution list and then figure out, okay, now how are we going to make it tangible to make this solution enactable? I don't know if that's a word, enactable. Enactable. I'll look it up. Well, let's make it a word because that's what English does. There's new words in the dictionary all the time, right? <laughs> that's right. Right. Enactable by Chad Johnson. It's probably a word. <laughs> <laughs> so as we start to wind down here and this has been really fun we i'm sure we could keep going for another half hour or two uh, sure um but are you saying to, i talk a lot it's no okay. i, I, I <laughs> I'm, just I'm asking a lot of questions so um i just uh yeah i'm trying to keep it in the half hour 40 minute range I, absolutely so. i'm just giving you a hard time so just for uh, comedic value uh, kind of the final question. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, in how open you are about your journey and kind of the struggles that you've been through and, and yep. how you see things more clearly now and constantly are thinking about improvement moving forward. How has that trickled down everywhere else in your life as a parent, as a husband, and, and some of the other important areas for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like, uh, well, okay, I have daughters. And so, like I have to be softer. No, maybe that sounds sexist, but uh, sorry, it just is. Uh, like you know, I'm I'm softer with them than a drill sergeant. You know, M my my dad was in the Marines, and uh, I respect him to no end. We're having a, a free Veterans Day for dental care coming up here in November, and uh, you know stuff like that to honor him. We actually have it. It's called Nolan Johnson Day, so I have it in his honor. And uh, but yeah, so I mean, it plays into how I work out. It plays into, uh, you know, like, um, I guess my wellness plan for myself. I don't, you know, I, I even think of the medical plan, how we, um, we try and, uh, do, how do I say it? that we try and make a lot of decisions for ourselves that goes against our health. Like I like Twinkies. I have lots of money. I'm going to buy lots of Twinkies and eat lots of, of Twinkies with my money because I can, 
and then come to find out it's really bad for my health and nothing against Twinkies. Cause I love them. You know, I've got a sweet tooth too. So it's nothing about, you know, Twinkies, but it's an example where we do things that are contrary to our health. And then we say, I wish there was a pill that could fix it. And I wish I had health, uh, health insurance that would solve that problem. And it's like, yeah, but it, it was always like, you're not a victim per se. You all, you were always in charge. And so, uh, you know, I just, I think of myself a lot of times, again, I, I, I joke around. It's just like, listen, I'm not a victim. It's like, you know, COVID has been a, a rough year. And if there's ever a year that we can lick our wounds and say, man, this year actually kind of sucks. Maybe it's just not our fault. I'm not saying that it has to be our fault, but just like we were talking about Sean earlier, Jocko Willink and extreme ownership, that book talks about, you know, it's just like, listen, okay. So yes, you're dealt that hand. Now what, you know, how are you going to, uh, to do that? And for me, my overall wellness plan has to do with, you know, trying to make sure that I'm regularly working out. So that way it rests my mind. I get better sleep. It burns off the calories because I love to eat too much. And, you know, so it helps keep me in shape. Um, <clears throat> And by having that overall wellness plan, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm hard on myself and I lead by example in that regard, but I'm also gentle, you know, like getting back to my daughters, you know, so I'm not like militant, uh, on my daughters and, uh, but my, <laughs> you know, kind of, I guess, cause you know, I'll just be like, there's no, there's no crying in baseball. What are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> great no. movie. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's just stuff like that. I guess I don't know how to say it, but that's, you know, how I, you know, it's just like, if you fall down, it's like, Hey, great job. Let's get back up. You know, like, you know, a little pity party. Okay. It's over now. Let's move on. Keep you moving. Know, so keep, keep moving. moving. Yep. Keep moving forward. That's right. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for, uh, for sharing so openly and, and yeah. sharing some of your lessons. Uh, as we were talking about before we hit record, I, yes. I just think no matter what industry you're in or what you do for a living, um, if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, there's just so many transferable lessons that can be gleaned by listening and hearing the stories of, of other entrepreneurs. Isn't it fun? Right. Yeah. So, so thank you for sharing your story. Uh, yeah. For people that, that want to get in touch with you directly or interested in your podcast, what's the best way to connect with you, Chad? Yep. Um, so my business name is Veranda Dentistry. You might have heard my radio commercials too. Uh, so hi, this is Dr. Chad. <laughs> it's actually me. I've heard people say, that's not you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay. I, but, I, I yeah. have heard those. I just yeah. realized that. Yeah, it is. It is, in fact, my voice. And uh, so verandadentistry.com. Um, and my podcast is Everyday Practices. And uh, if you look it up on ProductiveDentistAcademy.com website uh, or Google, you know, Everyday Practices podcast, that'll pop up. Uh, you remember Ocho Cinco is Chad Johnson and uh, that's me. And, yep. uh, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, like even if someone, you know, would want to email me or something like that, ChadDDS at gmail.com. So uh, three simple ways. But uh, yeah, feel free to get a hold of me or you might see me out on my bike or running or something like that uh, out near Altoona on the roads. So. Child, please. Was that Chad Johnson? Am I remembering that right? What's that? The football player wasn't his expression. Yes. Yeah. Child, please. <laughs> Child, please. I just went with that. Uh, that was top of mind for me. I hope that's right. So uh, anyways, Dr. Chad Johnson, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for, again for sharing so openly. Yeah, please have me back, Sean. Thanks so much. Uh, I, thanks for I, listening, everybody. Yeah. Hope to have you back down the road. But thanks for now for being a, a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Sean Terrell is a registered representative, certified exit planner, and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. 
financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. PAS is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Carroll Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Terrell Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Compliance tracking number 2020-110954, expiration date October 2022.